Welcome to Get Yourself Back, a podcast designed especially for those recovering from narcissists. Here, I teach you how to heal, how to feel lasting peace, lead with love, and create the life you want, no matter what you've been through or who is in your life. Hi, I'm Laura, by the way, and I'm the coach for people dealing with narcissists who have lost themselves trying to survive. It's time to get yourself back. Let's go. Hi and welcome. You made it. We have made it to the fifth and final step in the process to heal from narcissist abuse, emotional resilience. Congratulations. You're here. All right. Emotional resilience. Are you ready? This step is the crown on top of the foundational principles that we have previously covered. So we talked about deciding to take responsibility for yourself. We learned how to set boundaries to create safety and show love. We developed the skill of unconditional self-love, which is the antidote to all narcissism and its effects. We learned how to use thoughts to manage our minds, our emotions, our reality. And finally, we are here to develop resilience to protect you as you come up against all the things that are coming your way. So this final step is more of an ongoing process than an actual step. It's an achievement you strive for. It's a standard you measure your interactions with. And in this step, as in all the others, it's really about progress. It's not about perfection. So it's you build, right? We we build emotional resilience over time as you experience life, as you go about life with other imperfect humans and events that you experience, okay? So what does emotional resilience actually mean? It means that you either don't get hurt that easily, or if you do, you recover faster and come back stronger. So we learned in previous steps that when it comes to emotional hurt, others cannot force you to feel offended or rejected or sad or angry, resentful or bitter at any of the other painful emotions, right? They don't actually have that power. Only you have the power to create those emotions in your mind. How do we know this? Because we don't feel emotion until we have a thought about the things happening outside of our bodies. Now, does this mean that you should never feel hurt or that you'll never feel hurt by others again? Absolutely not. No, of course not. Emotional resilience is a goal. It's not a stick to beat yourself up with, okay? You are a human and humans are wired to connect with others emotionally. And and that's true so much that the steps between their words and your emotions, right, are completely invisible and happen like that. It's only when we practice learning how to slow down to see the sentences crossing our minds and how they create emotion in our bodies that we begin to gain leverage over our emotionally painful situations. And again, that takes practice. But if that if it doesn't happen as often as you like, it's really okay. It doesn't mean that you're a bad person, that you're not good enough, that you'll never change. It just means that you're human. Truth be told, I still get offended sometimes. I still feel rejected or hurt. I sometimes get sad and resentful, even though I have all these tools and even though I'm working with clients on a regular basis to build these tools, right? But but for me nowadays, it actually, it doesn't stay with me as long, the emotional pain. 
and it doesn't happen as often. And it's also happening less and less as I continue to build this skill. So let's say that you've been through this process and something happens, right? Say you're caught off guard because someone you love and trust says something really offensive and you're immediately hurt. There's no time to sit, to sit and think and process it out. It's already happening. And I just want you to know that in this moment, it is normal and it is okay. Don't panic. Don't freak out. Just allow, right? What this looks like is, yep, I feel super offended right now and I have a lot of reasons why and it's okay, right? A lot of my clients sometimes, you know, they, they, they learn these lessons and they feel really um, empowered by the tools and then something like this happens and immediately they start beating themselves up. Like, oh, I, I knew better. I shouldn't have gotten offended or I, I shouldn't have felt this way. I shouldn't have said this or I shouldn't have thought this, right? I'm in control of my thoughts. I shouldn't have done it. It's like, no, 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 mm-mm. Don't use the tools to beat yourself up. Just use the tools and learn how to use them, right? It's like you're learning how to play a new instrument. It's like you're learning a new language, right? You're not going to be perfect at it probably for a while. And that's totally normal and part of the process, right? So when this happens, take a step back, maybe after the fact, right? Maybe you don't have to fix it right in the moment. But after the fact, go back, see if you can use the tools if that's what you want, right? First, you allow the emotion. You don't need to solve for it right away. You can process it out or just sit with it. That's good enough. I'm telling you right now, literally just sitting with the emotion and and not looking at your thoughts, right? Not changing anything, not looking at models, none of that. Just the practice of sitting with your emotion and just feeling is 100% good enough. It will 100% be perfect in that moment. Okay. Now, if you've processed the emotion and you're feeling a lot of peace and calm and you want to look back and analyze things, great. Now we can move forward. So we can use the tools that you've learned, right? So maybe journal out some of your thoughts, pick out some really painful ones, plug them into a model, see if you can get some awareness of the connection between your interpretation and your emotion rather than the person's words themselves, which again are always neutral. So I like to think of words specifically as neutral because words are just sounds that are echoing, right? If that person saying those words had been, had been speaking a different language, you wouldn't be able to interpret the meaning, but they're still saying the words, right? And someone understanding their language interprets the meaning, but if, if it's a completely different language, you don't understand what they're saying. So you're not able to have thoughts about their words because you don't understand the language, right? I mean, maybe their tone and their facial expressions might, you know, clue you into some meaning, but if you just see the words on the page, like, like say you're reading Arabic and the words are really offensive, right? You have no idea that they're offensive because they're just letters. They're just sounds. They're just, you know, strokes on a page. And they just happen to be something that we all agree as having the same meaning. And so we're able to interpret the meaning. We're able to understand what it means and have thoughts about it, right? It's kind of like money, right? What is money? You know, if you're looking at, say, your account online, right, it's just a bunch of ones and zeros displaying a number on a screen. Maybe that number on the screen represents cash. Okay, what is cash? It's paper with words and symbols and numbers on them that we all happen to agree is of a certain value, 
right? So what does the paper represent? Gold bars, coins, precious metals. Okay, well, gold is just a molecular compound that we all happen to agree is more desirable than other kinds of molecular compounds, right? Because for some reason we can trade gold or have traded gold for thousands of years for things of value like like food, like shelter or water or clothing or cars, things like that, right? So it's it's all really neutral. And like, for example, if we go back to the words, words themselves do not have power in and of themselves, right? It's the meaning of the words and your attachment to that meaning. That's where all the power to create emotional uh, distress is, right? It doesn't mean, now it doesn't mean that you should never derive meaning from things. I'm not saying that, but being aware really helps you be in the driver's seat of your own life and of your emo- your own emotional reaction. You really can take a step back and say, is that really how I want to feel right now in this moment? If you want to, okay? So the goal of emotional resilience is to help you get to a place where you're not being driven constantly by words and emotions all the time, that you get to have a say in your experience of your life, no matter who is around, what is being said, what is happening, right? You get to still have a say. So for example, maybe you aren't at your ideal body weight today. That's okay, right? But maybe your mother-in-law has opinions about your weight and how it should be different. But what if you could decide today that no one has the power to make you feel bad about your weight ever again? Wouldn't that be amazing? Right? People can say and think however they feel, but you never interpret those words to mean anything about you ever again. What would that be like? Well, this looks like you really understanding that you have the power and it's up to you to manage your emotions about what others are thinking about your weight. Right, So that's, that's step one, that's self-responsibility. You own your emotion. It's seeing yourself as valuable regardless of what you look like, regardless of the number on the scale or how you look in a bathing suit or anything that your body looks like or your weight represents, right? That's unconditional self-love is you know you're valuable exactly as you show up, no matter what. And then you can decide to set a boundary if you want to. Let's say you're talking to your mother-in-law. Betsy, I or let's let's not comment about my weight anymore. It's not up for discussion. If you have an opinion about that, that's fine, but please keep it to yourself when I'm around. If you can't do that, I'll be heading out, right? That's you setting a boundary. You're saying, this is what I will tolerate. This is what I will not. If you decide you want to keep talking about my weight, that's fine. I'm going to go, right? But if, you know, if her words still sting, right? If there's still some pain that you feel because she is having thoughts about your weight, again, that's totally okay. So let's, let's model it out. Okay. What are her exact words? Write those down. What are you thinking when she says those words? What are your thoughts that come up when she says those words? And then what is the emotion happening in your body? Just be aware of what's happening. Sometimes we think, well, if I lose weight, then people will stop thinking these things and that solves the problem, right? Okay. Well, I have two questions for you. If that's what you're thinking. Number one, How has that been working for you? (laughs) Has it created weight loss for you? My guess is for 
the vast majority of us, um, it probably hasn't, at least not long-term, right? Maybe for some it has. Uh, and number two, my other question is, does your weight actually control other people's thoughts? Well, the answer is obviously no. We think it's true because we think losing weight will be what stops certain people from making comments about our weight. It's logical, right? But again, the answer is no, because your body shape does not control the thoughts others are having. How do we know this? Well, think about where those thoughts are truly coming from. Let's say someone is commenting on your weight, right? Why would your mother-in-law do that? What is she thinking that might motivate her to use words that criticize your weight? She's probably thinking a few things. Number one, she probably hates something about herself and she doesn't understand that unconditional love comes from deciding to love rather than qualifying for love by changing the thing that they hate. So in order to feel better, they look outward and they find flaws in other people. And then they point out those flaws. And in the act of pointing out those flaws, it helps her feel better about herself. See how her criticizing your weight was never actually about your weight or ever about you. These are people who, you know, her brain is scanning her surroundings, right? She's looking for others to criticize so that she can feel better because she's in constant pain about something she hates about herself. And if you lose weight to stop her from commenting on your weight, guess what's probably going to happen? She's probably going to find something else to criticize you about. That's, that's just the reality, right? And so, and the other piece to this that's really important is that changing your weight so that she changes her words to you is actually about you feeling better. So when they say, when, when she says different words of approval, then you can feel good about yourself because you're thinking a new thought. Like she finally accepts me or I'm finally good enough, right? Then you can relax and feel safe. But what if we could skip all of that drama altogether and just decide right now in this moment, in your current body, that you're good enough and that you're acceptable right now. Can you imagine? You can create that safety. You can create that sense of relaxation that, okay, I'm safe, right? Because you know you're good enough and acceptable right now. Learning to believe that, learning to to choose that for yourself is the key to everything. This is how you become emotionally resilient. So another perk of emotional resilience is your ability to start seeing and understanding others' behavior. You don't take things personally as often and you start to develop a sense of identity, or sorry, you start to develop a a sense to identify toxic people without ever entering into any relationship with them. It's true. So I have this amazing ability that if I'm in a room full of people, I can pick out the narcissist for sure. Hands down every single time. And if, listen, listen, if you're a people pleaser or you have narcissist parents or you're, you know, you have extensive experience with narcissists in your life, trust me, you have this ability too. You can innately sense them. You just don't know it yet, (laughs) but it's true. You can, but see now that you're resilient, you can have a little fun with it. You don't need to be afraid of them. You don't need to worry because you can trust yourself 
to stay away from them, to set your boundaries and to create safety for yourself, no matter what they say or do. Right. In fact, developing emotional resilience also helps you to prevent entering into new relationships with narcissists or toxic people. You are resilient, so you are the source of your resilience. So you no longer seek out others who will validate you because you already validate yourself. And here's the thing. Narcissists are very clever people. They know the game way better than you in terms of manipulation, right? So even though you people please, they are masters at manipulation. They are subconsciously aware of your deep emotional needs and will learn each and every one of your buttons very, very quickly. And what this creates is that once you engage with a narcissist, you have already lost. That's how good they are. (laughs) So your ability to see the traits immediately, right? Your ability to develop this part of your intuition will help you see the writing on the wall and will help you avoid will help you say, Oh, those are the red flags. I know exactly what to look for. It's really nice to meet you. Um, I'm, I'm going to move on. I'm not going to continue or go any further with this conversation. Right. And if you've had a steady string of toxic relationships, listen up. I want you to listen because I want you to imagine your life with someone who actually sees you as a person and not an asset imagine a peaceful life, right? It maybe it won't be perfect all the time, but it's, it's safe. It's easy and it's stable. How, you know, you're in a good relationship. I'm sorry, excuse me. How, you know, you're in a relationship with a toxic person is if you can describe your experience with them as the following, when it's good, it's really good. And when it's bad, it's really bad right? How many times have you said that about a person you're in a relationship with? How many times have you heard that about a person in a relationship that describes you? I'm sorry, you're, you are paying a heavy price to be with that person. And if you don't become aware of why you're in that relationship and how it serves you to be in that relationship, you are at risk of repeating this pattern over and over and over. I have seen this so much. I have a lifetime experience with this. I have a personal experience because of relationships that I've had. I've watched throughout my entire life, people I love repeat these patterns over and over. And of course I have a lot of clients that I work with who have spent years in these patterns and are just now pulling themselves out and they're actually starting to create healthy relationships. It's actually really amazing to witness. And so it's possible for you. You can create healthy relationships. You can change the parts of your brain that seek out the toxicity, right? They seek out toxicity because that's what's familiar to you. That's what you're used to, even though it's painful, right? Our subconscious seeks out what's familiar. And as we rewire that part of your brain, as we retrain those neural pathways of your subconscious and your prefrontal cortex, right? Both parts of your brain, you will start to change your reality. You'll start to seek out healthy relationships on your own with very little effort. It will become very natural to you, just like it's natural right now to seek out toxic people. So trust me, there is hope. You can do it. It just takes some work. And thankfully, you're already here. So you're doing the work, right? Great work. (laughs) Great job. So emotional resilience also looks like healthy, loving introspection you start to see your own narcissist tendencies. That's right. 
It takes two to tango, people. In order to survive narcissists, people develop narcissist traits. So people-pleasing is about manipulating the other person, right? That's the same with lack of boundaries. When you can't say no, when you say yes, when you want to say no, you're lying to someone. And that's because you want to control the outcome. You want to control what they think or say or feel so that you feel safe, right? All of that is designed to control your environment so that you feel safe, right? That's what narcissists do. Okay, that's how they operate. They manipulate others. They put others down. They're, they're toxic to other people. They, 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 they chameleon, they change, they, they manipulate all the time because they're also trying to feel safe, right? They don't understand self-love. They, they're deeply empty. They don't feel love for themselves. They don't know how to create it for themselves. So they're constantly seeking out feeling better from outside sources because they're so empty inside. Now, I want to emphasize that having narcissist traits doesn't make you a bad person. Okay. That's not what I'm trying to tell you. In fact, the more aware you are of your tendencies and your own emptiness, the more likely you are to not use those tendencies, right? And you're actively filling your own inner emptiness instead of seeking outside of you to feel better, okay? That's how we interrupt the cycle. That's how we break the pattern is you look at you lovingly, right? and non-judgmentally, patiently, and with compassion, and you say, oh yeah, I was trying to control this person, right? I was so that I could feel something. How can I create that feeling for myself today instead of lying to this person, right? That's the work. Another thing that you do when you're emotionally resilient is you stop blaming others around you for the things in your life that have gone wrong. You stop asking yourself, why me? And you start, ask, you start asking yourself, why do I tolerate this person's behavior? And it's not out of judgment, right? But just curiosity, right? It's like looking into your own brain. It's like pulling the curtain back and seeing what the heck's going on in there. You say, hmm, uh, that's interesting. I told him it'd be okay if he came over, like without even thinking, even though I really don't want company right now. I wonder why I did that. Right? You say that instead of, Ugh, he knows I have work in the morning. Why would he even ask to come over? Now I have to say yes or he'll blow up at me. Right? Why doesn't anyone care about me? <laughs> right? That's a, an emotionally resilient person takes responsibility and says, huh, that's really interesting and is curious about it and isn't judging and isn't blaming. Right? So your negative emotion stops being a problem when you're emotionally resilient. It stops being a problem that you have to solve all the time. Okay. It's just negative emotion is just something you experience and it's no big deal. So since I've been doing this, my children have noticed because I, I don't need to hide when I'm emotional. I don't need to hide when I need to cry and they happen to be around, right? They, they get a little worried they ask, mom, why are you crying? Are you sad? And I say, yep, I'm a little sad. So I'm crying and I'm sad because of this. And I know I'll feel better in a little bit. And they even try to make me feel better. Those little sweethearts. <laughs> I have two boys, I have two little boys. 
And see, that's what children do. They, they see adults that have big emotions and their world is a little bit in jeopardy. So they decide that they need to take action to try to make the, the parents feel better. This is a totally natural, normal thing children do, especially sensitive children, because it's how they're wired. So when they try to do that, for me, I reassure them. I sit them down. I say, you know what? Mom's crying and it's totally okay. And she's really good at feeling better all her own, right? Like crying is not a problem. I'm just crying. It's okay. Sometimes I'm sad. Sometimes you're sad. Sometimes dad is sad. It's okay. And once they see that, they can get back to playing and doing what kids do and living their life, right? That, that fear isn't there anymore. Or if it is, right, they're able to say, okay, mom is handling it. Isn't that an amazing gift to give your children? To let them know that you're good to go and that they don't have to be responsible for your emotions? That is a huge, huge gift. And I hope that if you have children, that you're able to give that to them. And if you're not, I please reach out to me because there's work that needs to be done. Okay. All right. So, and, and even for my clients with children, I've noticed that they've started to do the same thing. So one of my clients, she happens to live near her narcissist parents and her children sometimes ask her why their grandpa is acting weird, right? He's like saying weird things and she'll just calmly explain, yep, grandpa's feeling a little sad and, or maybe he's feeling a little frustrated and that's how he acts sometimes when he's sad or frustrated. And you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to fix it. Just that's what he's going to do and it's okay. And if the behavior continues, right, she's able to kind of watch. You know, if the behavior starts to continue or if it starts to get worse, right, she's like, okay, I'm just going to go ahead and take my kids home. We don't, they don't need to be around it. So it's a really safe situation because she is in control of her emotions. She is not um, anxious about stopping it, right? She's allowing her, gra- her, her dad the kid's grandpa to feel how he's going to feel and act how he's going to act. And no one needs to take any action to, to save him from his emotion. No one needs to fix it because that's where the anxiety comes from. Like, it's like, I got to fix it so that he's happy so that I can feel safe. And it's like, no, you don't need to do that. He's just, okay. He's having an emotional moment right now. That's okay. We're going to go play or we're going to go do our thing. And if it gets worse, if he starts to get angry, if he starts to, you know, really like throw things or become a threat, right? Obviously we leave the house immediately and, and we don't, Um, We don't keep children in that environment. So, and here's the thing, right? So not every narcissist relationship has to end with no contact, okay? It's definitely like the main recommendation I have, depending on how severe the person is. But typically, if you have narcissist parents or you're co-parenting with a narcissist ex, maybe, or for whatever reason you want to stay married to a person you know is a narcissist, right? That happens. You you always have a choice. You can always choose your life, okay? But typically, or sorry, um, but using these tools will will help manage the drama that will occur inevitably because of living with a narcissist, okay? Um, if you don't want to be around a narcissist, if you're ready to go no contact and completely cut them out of your lives, which is a great solution, um, and that's available to you, and that's what you want to do, right? That's what we do. We go completely no contact, and you never deal with that person again, and you do the work to heal your inner self and create new healthy relationships, right? That's perfectly acceptable too. But sometimes that's that's not always an option or it's not always what you want to do depending on the life circumstances. And so that's why these tools 
are so important because you will be dealing with drama if you've got a narcissist in your life and you don't have to be trapped by them. You don't have to live a life you don't want to live if there's a narcissist in your life. You get to choose and these are the tools that will help you. All right. And finally, emotional resilience is, it's simply a life with so much less emotional pain. Seriously, you stop hating yourself. You stop or greatly reduce the thinking of painful thoughts. This is huge. So one of my clients recently told me it was like a huge burden was lifted off his back. And this is what he said. And I quote, what a gift it is to not get upset about stupid crap. And he didn't say crap. (laughs) He, He was just like, I haven't had drama in my life for like three months. And, and he and I have been working together for about five, but he can just, he can just live now. He's not constantly in emotional pain. He's not angry towards others. He's not defensive or or stressed out about what others are thinking. You know, his relationship, you know, with his partner is just so much more peaceful and he's not stressed about what she's thinking or, or, or defending himself, you know, about things she's never even said, you know, he, it doesn't mean he never feels emotional pain, right? But he doesn't feel all the unnecessary emotional pain that we all put ourselves through by, you know, choosing to think painful thoughts, right? And so that's, that's been true for me as well. I remember too, my life with constant emotional pain. In fact, recently, I think it was a couple of months ago, I started, for some reason, I was just back in that space of thinking those habitual negative thoughts about myself that created pain. And I, it had been a while since I had like been in that, like submerged myself in that emotional pain. And it was so strange to be there and to think, oh, oh, that's right. I remember this was my life, like on a constant basis. No wonder I was feeling deep depression. No wonder I did things I didn't want to do to make myself feel better. Like that makes so much sense. And I could see the thoughts I was having. I could see like the sentences passing through my mind. I think one of them was like, oh my gosh, I hate myself right now. And I couldn't believe that that thought crossed my mind and how quickly, how immediately I had a visceral reaction in my body feeling of emotional pain. And it was just like, oh, wow. I see now that's how my life used to be on a consistent basis. I wasn't even aware. And now that I'm aware and that like old habit kind of resurfaced for a minute, it was really eye-opening to see the contrast between my life as it was and my life as it is now and how, how little emotional pain I feel on a constant basis. It's, it's truly amazing. Um, my life is so much more peaceful and if I do feel emotional pain, it's okay. I, I just, I just process it out. Like if I have an anxiety moment, I process it out and it doesn't last nearly as long as it used to. Oh my gosh. It would last for days in the past. Um, yeah, life is just so much better now and I'm just so much more at peace. And so that's just really the gift of all of this work is your experience through life is so much more peaceful. It's so much less painful and it's just so much better in general even though the circumstances in your life haven't really changed much. 
So that's that's the gift, you know, that that this work offers you. And, and I invite you to keep going, to take the steps, to keep learning. So if you've been on the journey so far, you've been listening to all the episodes, right? You really have been on a journey and don't worry, we are just getting started. <laughs> but the last five episodes really have been the foundation of all the work that you're going to do to heal that we will build upon in future episodes. And again, I've got plenty coming down the pipeline. So if you have questions anytime, you can always email me, laura at bythewaycoaching.com. Um, otherwise, I hope you continue to enjoy you know, all that's coming your way. And I can't wait to bring it to you. So until next time, have an amazing day. Hey there. If you are ready to take your life to the next level, working one-on-one with me just might be what you're looking for. I invite you to book a consultation. It's a free one-hour conversation focused entirely on your situation that will change your life. Email me directly at laura at bythewaycoaching.com to get started. Can't wait to see you soon.